Hello, everybody. So, just a quick introduction. This is the first episode of Audacious Truth, my little baby, my podcast. My name is Alicia Wong, and I am 24 years old almost. In a few days, in four days, actually, I'll be 24. And um, this podcast has been something that I've been wanting to do for the absolute longest. And my goal with the podcast is not to get subscribers, not to get likes, not to get viewers, not to get listeners, not to get paid. My goal with the podcast, honestly, is just being able to be that voice, sharing my story, having others share their story. And let's just use all that we've gone through to make this world a better place. Oftentimes, so many people are ridiculed they're silenced and they feel like they have no outlet and that there's no one there for them there's no one there to listen and i want to break that stigma you know growing up in a caribbean household and and family we're kind of taught that what happens at home stays at home but growing up i've learned that there's certain things that you go through in this life and it's very imperative in sharing it because what your story entails can truly save somebody's life out there it can encourage someone to keep fighting to keep pushing past whatever it may be that they're going through and they're dealing with and with this podcast i want to be able to be fully truthful hence the name truth in the podcast i want to be able to help heal this world for this world to become a better place because this world often at times we feel so lonely feel like there's no one out there that we can relate to and there's so many reasons as to why even females specifically we get silenced we get silenced by gender we get silenced by religion we get silenced by our situations our circumstances our ranks our financial statuses and so many the list goes on and on and on but i want to be able to have a healthy outlet um not just only talking about myself and my experiences but for others to be able to come on and do the same thing and share their story sharing your story i've learned can bring so much healing to someone they may not be going through the same exact thing but they can possibly be going through worse than what you've went through or are currently going through and there's so much chaos and confusion and judgment that goes on in this world and imagine if we can all come together and genuinely support one another you know with the podcast i want to be able to help people and find resources like let's find resources you know to help so many people because we live in america america is a great place but at the same time oftentimes resources are so restricted and there's sometimes prohibited and I want to be able to provide healthy resources for people that are in need as best as I can. So that is some of my goals right there with this podcast. Um, it's going to be fully raw, unedited, full-on truth to everything that is said in this podcast. And so just to get started, um, my first topic that actually I want to discuss and have for the first episode is going to be on grief let's talk about grief and how it is a very lonely road 
and the journey of grief itself it's it comes with so much and um you know for those of you that don't know um I was 13 years old when I lost my father I had an amazing amazing father truly such a remarkable soul such a pure light in this world and you know I felt robbed of of having my father growing up um because when I was 13 unfortunately my father committed suicide and it was the biggest shock of my life I would have never imagined or thought that I would ever have to go through something like that and um it just goes to show that someone can really really be in so much emotional turmoil so much pain and hide it so well behind a smile and unfortunately if love was you know enough to save a loved one i'm pretty sure so many of our loved ones would be here today they would be here with us but unfortunately that was not the case for me so i experienced loss very young and at a young age and ultimately it made me feel like i had to grow up really fast you know i'm so thankful for the 13 years that i had my father my father was my absolute best friend um god rest his soul um my father was a construction worker his name was brian s wong and he was just such a beautiful beautiful person that was always willing to help others you know be there for others support others and you know it just it really up to now even now reflecting as it's 10 years and change since his passing um just reflecting and thinking back to the effect that it had on me I would never, ever wish that on anybody. I would never wish for a child to lose their father or their mother, let alone to suicide. It is such a hard thing. I know there's so many different ways of tragic deaths and traumatic deaths, but it leaves such a scar on you. And truthfully speaking, that scar never goes away. And whoever said that scar goes away, I'm sorry, but I don't believe it. I don't. But with the grace of God, with prayer, and, you know, having a relationship with God, it it has helped me to heal. Has it helped me to recover? To an extent, yeah. I, I would say so. But at the same time, there's moments where you're just like, wow. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe my person is not here. You know, I used to go to my dad for everything, literally everything, even girl little situations. I used to literally go to my dad and he took care of me like a literal princess. I can say for myself that I have the best father And if there was anyone I could have chosen in this world to be my father, I would have never, like, chosen anyone else but him. I would have chosen him over and over again. My father was so family-oriented. 
he has stood certain grounds and now that I'm older I realize where a lot of his beliefs came from and certain things how he moved how he looked at certain things I understand his perspective now that I didn't understand then you know and it was a very difficult and traumatic experience um you know with suicide it, it's so sensitive it's like a touch and go ahead and miss and I ultimately want to bring so much awareness and can I just say this people that commit suicide are not cowards and I'll repeat this again people that commit suicide people that go through depression people that suffer from anxiety people that suffer from mental illnesses are not cowards they didn't ask for that they didn't ask to feel how they're feeling and i just want to start off by saying let's break that stigma let's break and like let's just completely shut that down that people that do this are cowards and losers i remember one time i heard someone literally call my father a coward because he did what he did and i remember just seeing red i think i was about maybe i was 14 by then when that happened and i was just seeing red and i was just like how can somebody say that how dare you how dare you say that about my father that just passed away where is your humanity where is your compassion and i remember thinking that i will never ever ever agree or accept for anyone to say that about my father or anyone that struggles with these these thoughts with with, with these feelings and and etc i will never and i will put up a fight to bring awareness to suicide to bring awareness to depression anxiety and mental illness because it is real it is real and I just remember that it took me a while to forgive that person that said that. And I don't think that person even remembers or recalls saying that. They said it in a heated moment. And I remember, I just felt like I lost so much respect for that individual when that occurred. And I just made it my mission that I will never, ever tolerate that being said again and so it was a very difficult difficult road i was in so much disbelief um and to make it worse it was on the 4th of july which is usually a time that families come together they celebrate you know they barbecue and i just remember I was in my grandparents' living room because we were living in the same house. Um, my uncle lived in the basement. My grandparents lived on the first floor. My parents and I lived on the second floor. And we literally, I was 
lying down in the living room with my mom and I just hear this banging like the door the back door is just someone's banging it and they're screaming and I remember my heart sank and the first thing that came to me something's wrong with my father and I felt in that moment I could not breathe I felt like every bit of strength that I had to literally move I just could not move and thank God my grandfather made it outside to see what the commotion was about and um, my uncle had came home that night and you know usually he always checks out the back gate because I had a grandfather that was suffering from Alzheimer's sometimes the gate would you know not be locked and you want to be safe so um he locked the gate and I, I remember we had like this little light in the back so it's like a sensor light when you walk through um the pavement the light comes on and my uncle just saw somebody i know this is gonna get really graphic so um please be aware if there's children listening to this please um i'm about to go very in detail regarding um my father's death so please use some sort of uh i don't even know what to say um just be mindful and cautious of what is about to be said and if that's something you would want your child to hear or not parental guidance um please be advised so um my uncle saw somebody hanging in our backyard and he thought it was my brother um you know and I just recalling that I wouldn't have even wished that that was my brother. I wouldn't have wished that that was my father. And my grandfather, upon hearing pounding and screaming, opened up the door and ran out and helped my uncle. And by the time I got outside, All I remember is seeing my father's body on the floor and I'm looking at his shirt, the last shirt that he had wore. And I just felt so confused. I wasn't sure what to think, what to do. What is a 13 year old child? to do in that situation I was in so much disbelief it literally felt like my feet were glued to the ground and I remember just begging God don't take him from me do whatever you have to do if he has to be paralyzed because I didn't know, all these thoughts were just going through my head because I don't know the severity of the situation. If he has to be paralyzed, if he just, you know, if he's not in the right mindset, 
Okay, but just don't physically take him from me. This is my person. And I don't know how I'm going to go on in life without him. And I just started to have these flashbacks. To moments before all of this, when I was outside alone with my father. He was intoxicated. But he was not, to my knowledge, a harm to me or to anybody, let alone himself. And we literally were talking about when you turn 16, let's play this song. Let's dance to this song. I can't wait to see you become a mom and a wife. I can't wait to see my baby, my mommy, because he used to call me mommy, be the most beautiful, beautiful bride ever. And that was my last conversation with my dad. And we even practiced the dance of the song that we wanted to to do for my sweet 16 that was our song since i was small it was angel by shaggy because he always used to sing that song to me and i just felt like that was our song you know i was his angel and he used to tell me all the time i saved his life i am his angel but little did he know he saved mine in so many ways while he was here and so moving forward to me standing there and can't moving seeing him on the floor our our yard gets filled neighbors are filling the yard the whole entire block shows up in our yard family members are piling in and i remember Somebody's calling for 911. I can't even recall who called for 911, but there were multiple calls for 911. And I just remember a neighbor screaming, That's Brian. That's Brian. And I just remember the neighbor screaming and crying, saying, Please, he has a daughter. He has a daughter. Get here. Save him. And. I remember this this neighbor was literally pregnant at the time and she was telling me she was guiding me through administering CPR because no one there everyone was, was in such a shock nobody knew what to do nobody knew what to think this was the strongest person that everyone on that block knew the most friendliest person and they're laying here almost lifeless and I'm administering CPR as best as I could. And I remember, I remember smelling this odor come from him. And in that moment, something just clicked in my brain and I knew that I was about to lose him. I felt it. And he was going. And there was no turning back. But I kept trying and trying. And I remember being so confused at 13 and saying, it's not working. 
it's not working. I don't know what to do to fix him, to help him, to get better. Somebody please. And I remember by the time the ambulance arrived, it felt like it took them forever, forever. When I tell you, it felt like it took hours. I can't even remember how long it took them, but it took them a long time to get there. It felt like it was eternity, like they just took forever. And I remember my aunt touched my father's leg on that stretcher and he jumped. And if I'm not mistaken, I believed he opened his eyes and looked at one of my cousins. And I just remember seeing God. I'm losing my best friend. And if you're gonna take him from me, take me too. Because I don't know how, as a young girl that is so close, so close to her father, my father's my best friend. I don't know how life is gonna continue on for me without him. I go to him for everything, every single thing. Things that some girls will not even go to their fathers for. You know, even if I needed something, when it was that time of the month, I used to go to my father and within an hour, he'll come back with it and come back with more and just to make me feel better. He gave everything to see me happy. And I remember something in me just shifted. And I was so angry at him. I was so angry. And I remember lying on my aunt's lap. And tears was just running down my eyes. And I remember asking, is he gonna be okay? And she kept rubbing my head. She's like, yeah, he's gonna be okay. We're, we're gonna pray for a miracle. He's not gonna leave you. And I felt so comforted by those words. And I remember the detective came in. I think it was two came in. And when I saw the hat come off and the head go down, I knew that he was gone. And I remember saying, what? What? I felt like Everything in me just, just left. I had no strength at all. And I just, I couldn't understand how can somebody that literally moments before doing what they did tell me that they want to see these things these great beautiful things happen for me and then they just did what they did and left me 
and the process of just wakes upon wakes and you know the viewing the burial it happened so fast and I remembered I struggled with sleeping I no longer could have slept in the night I could only sleep in the day and very very minimal hours and thank God for the family members and this is where I will definitely credit family showing up my dad's side showed up and so did my mom's side but my mother's side my aunts my uncles and my cousins literally it's like they moved into our house floor upon floor people were sleeping on the floors supporting us and I remember I was with two of my cousins one night we sat up in the kitchen I couldn't sleep I couldn't sleep at all and eventually we made it into my grandparents room and I my cousins were about to go to sleep and they were pushing and trying for me to go to sleep and those two cousins they know who they are and they literally held me like a baby and I remember not wanting to sit in the front of the funeral home because I'm like what is this this man does not look like my father who is this our family had just gone through loss. My cousin had just recently lost her, her baby girl, her daughter. A baby. And from that to now this. And it was so hard. And I tried to be strong because all I would be told constantly is you have to be strong for your mother. But now looking back at it, who did I have to be strong for me as a kid going through that? That felt like they had to shelter every single emotion, every single feeling. Granted, everyone should be able to grieve. But why was I being restricted from grieving? And I remember having certain conversations with my grandparents because they played such an amazing and huge, huge part of my life. And I told my grandma and grandpa, my daddy isn't here, but please, I never want you two to leave my side. Please, stay. And I made my grandpa Pinky promise me that he would be the one to walk me down the aisle. And it just was so hard. Six months after January, we lost my mom's eldest brother. The next month, we lost a few others. Um, and it was just like when it rains it pours it poured all right 
my family went through it. We lost and lost and lost and lost. And it was a hard, hard time and period for my loved ones. And moving on and forward to 10 years later, my grandfather passed a few years ago and it was so hard, but I felt so strengthened at that time because my grandmother was my motivation. And it felt like I lost my father all over again. And I just didn't understand why. I didn't, I did not. But I remember I had a dream about my grandfather in heaven's garden. And that gave me so much peace and closure. And I remember I was at, I was in high school, I was a junior, and my cousin messaged me on Messenger. And I'm like, she never messages me. The first instinct I had was it's my grandparents. So she was like, you need to call me. So I had no service where I was, unfortunately. So I had to go down to the main office. And when I went down, I remember asking her, I said, Grandma, because my grandma was a little more sick than my grandpa. And she said, no, it's grandpa. Your mom is on the way there to get you. And I walked up silently to class. I told my teacher and I left. When I saw my grandpa, I barely made it through the kitchen, but when I saw him, I just felt lifeless again. And I don't know what happened, I just saw black. When I opened my eyes, um, my cousins were around me and I had passed out. I mustered up the courage it's a little bit of strength that I felt in that moment to go see him. And he looked so peaceful. And he looked like he was going to wake up at any moment. But I knew he wasn't going to wake up. He had suffered a cardiac arrest. And I saw how broken my grandma was. She wouldn't want to eat. Like her heart was aching and breaking and I didn't know what to do to make her feel better. But I tried my best. I tried my absolute best to support her, to be there for her, to just even lay with her. And thankfully, Snapchat was a thing then, and I have so many memories with her on that. And fast forward a couple years later, 
my grandmother felt really, really sick a few times. But in the course of 2021 and 2022, her health just went downhill. She had good moments and she had bad moments. But one thing I want to do is acknowledge my aunts and uncles that really, really, really took amazing care of her in her final moments. My cousins that were up all hours, day or night, and helped her, made her comfortable. I knew that reality was I'm going to lose her too. I did not want to accept that. I did not want to face that. I did not want to feel that. I used to get so angry hearing that. I I used to get so mad. Like no, don't talk about her like that. Don't wish that on her. Don't don't say that. She's a fighter. She's a survivor and she promised me she would never ever leave. I know grandparents have a time that they have to go but I felt like my grandmother was superwoman and she was going to outlive so many I looked to her for every everything even if she didn't have the words of advice to give me her arms her her scent everything brought so much comfort it brought so much love so much peace so much guidance to me And I remember I would be working long hours at Northwell and I'll still go see her. I'll go see her. And I'll go home. It doesn't matter if it's one or two o'clock in the morning. I will go home. Go to get ready for work because I can't sleep. I can't eat. It's so hard to function when the person you love is laying in a bed suffering in pain and you're trying your loved ones are trying their absolute best just to make her comfortable to ease her pain but still keep her here and I'm gonna say this in all truth if love was enough to keep my grandmother here and heal her she would have been here and outlived so many of us She would have been healed a long time ago from so many different health issues going on. And I remember a few days before she passed, I was in the room and my aunt stepped out. To give me some alone time with her. And I used to sing these hymns with her. Sing all these Christian gospel songs. I used to pray with her. Read Psalms 23. Her favorite scripture. I used to read Psalms 91. 
I used to read Isaiah 46 and I used to I was expecting a miracle from God but then I just knew eventually I need to stop praying for the miracle I need to pray that she'll find peace and rest because she's in too much pain too much suffering and I remember kissing her cheeks, kissing her hands, and she wasn't talking. And my aunt, my other aunt came down from Schenectady. She was in the room. And it's like she was so zoned out processing everything but trying to keep herself spiritually uplifted and I remember I kissed my grandma and with whatever little bit of strength she mustered up I don't know where on earth this woman got this strength from she literally pulled my face with her hand and brought it to her lips and she kissed me on my forehead she kissed me on my cheek and then she moved her hand and she interlocked her hands with mine and I remember saying Auntie Indra Auntie Indra did you see that did you see that and I remember I felt like a kid in a candy store I felt like in that moment that miracle I wanted, I was receiving. But it wasn't the one that I thought that I I would be getting. That was her goodbye to me. And that was the Thursday. And the Friday was Good Friday. And we're in April. And dressed for church and I'm like you know what I'm gonna go spend some time with her and then I'm gonna go to church and if you know my grandma Easter weekend resurrection weekend good Friday those were her favorite 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 times as a believer because of the resurrection of Christ and It was the Friday, her morphine started to increase by the hour. She had the oxygen tank, and I knew I couldn't leave. And we had family members coming in, seeing her. And I remember my cousin was next to me. And we were kind of leaning on each other physically but emotionally for that support at the same time. I didn't cry a lot. I stifled my tears. I stifled my pain on the inside during the duration of her being sick. And my aunt broke down. She had just came from Baltimore, but her family and broke down 
on my grandma. And I remember my cousin finally broke down next to me. And then I broke down. And then everyone else started to break down. And it was in that moment we knew our matriarch, our queen, our beautiful, beautiful ma is leaving us. And it was only a matter of a time. And I remember I didn't go to church anymore. I literally stayed. And I'm so thankful that I listened to my intuition and my gut because those final, final moments I got with her, I can never get them back. And now we're on Sunday. Let's skip to Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. And if you know my grandma, you know she said if there's any time for God to call her home, she wants it to be around Easter and Resurrection Sunday's time. And she said it so much after my grandpa passed away. She's like, Pa's not here anymore. But I'm letting you know my wishes. And I went to church that morning. And I remember my best friend and I went to go visit her after the service. And when I saw her on that bed, my heart just felt shattered. And I'm begging God at this point, take her, take her. Why are you leaving her to be in all this pain and suffering? You don't want your children to suffer. You're not a God that's going to allow them to suffer like this. She's a good person. This is a woman of faith. This is a woman of prayer. This is a woman that loves you. Rid her of this pain. And I remember I started to get angry with God. And, you know, we had some family there. And I remember my aunt telling my best friend, say goodbye to grandma because she was about to fly out the next day. And in that moment, I knew, and I was reminded of a dream that I had the Monday prior of my grandmother passing away. How it happened, who was in the room. And part of me did not want to accept and believe that but that was the truth of how this was gonna happen and God was showing it to me and I remember leaving and not wanting to leave her side but I remembered I told her I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna see you tomorrow after work you hang on you hang on until I get out of work so I can be here 
And I remember she took this big breath with me. And I was so startled by this breath. It was like, where did she get this breath from? But I was the only one that recognized it in that moment. Now, if you work in the medical field, if you work with patients, if you work with people in hospice, that's known as the death rattle. And I told her, I know you're fighting, but you can let go. And I promised her that I was going to be okay. And I knew she couldn't respond to me, but I knew she could hear me. And I said everything that I needed to say to her. And I knew as much as physical pain she was in, I know her heart was breaking because she didn't want to leave us. If she had a choice to stay, she would have stayed with us, but she didn't have that fight in her left. The pain was too much for her. And I knew she was about to be reunited with the love of her life. Ma and Pa. Now that is a love story. That is a true love story. And that is an inspiration for what true love is. And to never settle. But that's going to be another conversation. And I remember I went to work. Actually... I went to the airport with my best friend. I just knew that I knew that I knew I was gonna get a call or something. But throughout the day, I just knew that I was gonna lose my grandma. And I cried. And my best friend cried because she was in denial because she loved my grandma like it was her own. And my grandmother always made her feel welcomed and like her own. She used to say she adopted her. And um, I remember I went straight to work and I got a text message about from my mom saying grandma's not doing well and I want you to have like really decent and, and really well put together like the woman she is because we know it's coming and you're gonna need funeral clothes and I said okay and I went into work and God bless that entire office I mean I can say out of all workplaces co-workers those people were not just my co-workers they were family to me and I will always have so much love and respect for them. And I remember I was playing phone tag. My mom kept calling me. I kept missing the call and so forth. When I'm calling her, she's not answering. And then I just remembered a text coming in. Call me. Call didn't go through. And then I got a call. And 
I heard crying in the background and I stepped outside in the hallway. There's patients in the waiting room. There's patients in rooms. And I remember two of the medical medical assistants coming out and it's like they just knew. And I had my hand over my mouth and my mom couldn't even speak. I just started screaming and crying in the background. And my cousin took the phone from her and said, because I remember I was, I was yelling. I'm like, yes or no? Did my mom pass away? And my cousin took the phone and said, Lisa, because my family calls me that. Grandma passed away and you need to leave work and come now. And I just, I said, okay. And I remember the two medical assistants, Tamara and Atea, they literally pulled me into a hug. And I just remember saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. And we went into one of the doctor's offices, um, so close to her. Um, she's literally a gem and an angel. Dr. K is such an amazing human being. And if you're listening out there, I will always, always have so much love in my heart for you and for your family. And I just remember them consoling me. And I just kept saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to do. How am I going to do this? And it brought back so many memories of the people I love the most that aren't here. And now she's not here. And I remember they were so emotional in that office. And I was waiting for a lift and it took forever to come it kept changing drivers and I was just like I just need to get there I want to get there before they take her away and I literally left there one of the medical assistants walked me out she waited until I got in the car and I remember being on FaceTime with my best friend and I remember I texted her even though she was on the plane and it was like she's gone and then I called someone and I was just crying and they're like no don't tell me she died I was like yeah and I don't know what to do that was the only thing that could have came out of my mouth and I remember just pulling up to the house I took these deep breaths and I tried to collect my thoughts because what looks like a normal Monday for everybody else was the absolute worst Monday of my life and I walked inside my aunt's house I'm seeing these family members and I remember standing by the door, but not fully in there. 
by the doorway and just standing there. My cousin is like, come see your grandma. And my aunt, I'm shaking my head no. And my aunt was like, you're her baby. You're her princess, come. And I remember seeing her in that state and it broke me down so much. Because the person I loved the most in this world was now gone. And I wasn't getting her back. And if you know me, if you really know me, you will not catch me near, I don't care who it may be, you won't catch me near or close to a dead person, touching them, giving them a kiss on the cheek, rubbing their face. But I had to make sure for myself that I didn't feel her breathing. And I just cried and I cried and I cried. I was in my scrubs and I got myself together. So much family was there and um, I just remember when the people came to get her, whatever you call them, to collect the body. My family lost it. When I tell you so many of us lost it, like falling down, screaming. And I remember feeling like I cannot accept this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to let her go. And they closed the, the van doors that they put her body in. And I'm like, no. You're taking her away from me. Do not take her away from me. Whatever you do, do whatever. If I had a million dollars, I'll give you a million dollars right now. But don't take her from me. And I remember feeling the need to go after these people. And I'm hitting the van the back of the window and I'm, I'm hitting it and I'm like screaming for her to come back and I'm telling her don't leave and the car starts to take off and I'm trying to run after it and my family member is holding me and I just I didn't want to let her go but now we're literally about to be 10 months in and this is about to be my first birthday without her and there's so many emotions some days it's I'm strong some days I'm not and I've learned the importance in realizing that not being okay is okay you pick yourself back up but don't rob yourself grieving and April 18th will never be the same for me. And she wanted me to sing for her our last conversations and private conversations. She's like, whatever happens to me, you promise me you're going to sing for me. And I don't know how I had the courage. I don't know how I had the, the vocals to do it. But I sang like no tomorrow for her.
throughout the funeral processions, the memorial. And I thought, okay, my family and I have to heal. Let's pray that there's a break. And I was at work on June 10th. And I remember getting a phone call saying, are you sitting? Are you standing? Are you at work? And I just thought, oh my God, what else is there? What now? Everybody from work is gone. It's just me right now. What is going on? Because I literally just went to the store and literally bought a jumpsuit for, from Macy's backstage because it's my cousin's daughter, Sweet 16, tomorrow. What is it now? And then I got the news that my brother's son, my 13-year-old nephew, they're 99% sure that he just drowned at the Jamaica Bay. Him and his best friend. And I just felt like, God, when am I going to catch a break? And it turns out that it was true. And I just remember crying. Crying. And I'm feeling pain, not just for myself, not just for my family, but for my brother and my sister-in-law and my niece. And I'm like, how, God? How, how can this happen? He's 13 years old. He's 13. And it took so much to be strong, but I promised my brother I was going to be strong. And I kept my promise as much as I could have. And now, it's February 2023. And I've learned to allow myself to grieve allow myself to feel and allow myself to heal find healthy outlets therapists are a blessing the gym a blessing finding strong supportive people within family and friends during these times where you just are so low and down you just want to curl up in a ball it's a blessing to have people stand beside you and support you. And I'm forever thankful and grateful for the loved ones that stood by me and stood by my side. Life is not a guarantee. We don't know when our eyes are going to close. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we can only pray and hope that by God's grace we can see another day, that our loved ones can see another day. And if you're out there listening to me, 
cherish your people cherish the time that you have with your loved ones that you have with your significant others that you have with your your friends because we don't know when's the last time we're gonna see somebody we don't know what our last interaction our last conversation is going to be so keep that in mind because oftentimes we prioritize things and people that don't need our attention and we settle for for people that don't care about us we settle for people that don't offer us anything good we settle for all these wrong things and wrong outlets to numb ourselves and we block out what's right in front of us if you have people right now in your life that doesn't serve a purpose but you're putting them on a pedestal and ignoring the ones that's right in front of you that loves you genuinely loves you cares for you would give their last for you take time to reevaluate where your energy is being consumed and poured into take time to love on your tribe take time to love on people make them know it don't wait till they're gone show them while they're alive while they're breathing it's the little things a text message a hug a phone call a conversation a coffee date little things they matter they matter And if you're out there grieving the loss of a loved one, my heart is with you. And I pray for your strength that God will heal you and strengthen you. Don't numb yourself to the pain. It's only going to get worse if you do it that way. It's going to get piled up and piled up. And then one day you're just going to explode. But if you're out there, and if there's any sort of advice I can give you from listening to this, it's that life isn't promised. And we need to do better in showing support to people, showing them love, showing them care. Imagine you're ignoring a text message of somebody that's going through it, and your reply your your action your reaction can save their life from ending it in that moment there's so many of us that can't get that hug that so many of us here living we take for granted so let's do better let's check in on our strong friends and family members let's check in on our strong people Not everyone that wears a smile means that they're fully all together on the inside. And with that being said, let's not just talk grief, but let's support those that are grieving. Because you can grieve somebody that's alive even, not just someone that's passed on. And if you're in a position where you have to grieve somebody that's alive, know your worth. Put yourself first. 
love yourself. And when you can love yourself, truly, truly love yourself and put yourself first, you will never settle for less than.